Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And today is the last time we're talking about Internet Explorer. Oh, whoa, whoa. I let's let's not make a commitment like that. Yeah, just just for a little while. It keeps coming up. You can't not talk about it. But look, at a bare minimum, future episodes will absolutely still make fun of Internet Explorer, even if it's not the topic. Like it's just hard not to make fun of it. Yes. This is the final chapter of our story of Internet Explorer. We're picking up the story in January of 2015 when Microsoft announced that the next version of Windows, which was Windows 10 at the time, would ship with a brand new web browser that would replace Internet Explorer. It was named Project Spartan, presumably after the Super Soldiers from Microsoft's Halo series. I didn't check that. And that's what this show is about. Yeah. Not checking facts or looking up anything. I checked nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this was during that time at Microsoft where they really liked the Halo references, where like uh, with especially with like Cortana too. I I really want to make a crack about about Microsoft taking the one and only really popular thing and uh, branding everything on that, but yeah, it feels like Microsoft made that joke for us. Well, they eventually started naming Windows 10 updates after Minecraft, so... <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I, I'm i pretty sure there was like a Windows 10 Redstone update. That, that was the codename for it. They, I think they called it something different in the end. Anyway, um, I'm going to read a section of a blog post from Microsoft. It said, quote, Powered by a new rendering engine, Spartan is designed for interoperability with the modern web. We've deliberately moved away from the version document modes historically used in Internet Explorer and now use the same markup as other modern browsers. Spartan's new rendering engine is designed to work with the way the web is written today. Like Windows 10 itself, Spartan will remain up to date as a service, both providing new platform capabilities, security and performance improvements, and ensuring web developers a consistent platform across Windows 10 devices. Spartan and the new rendering engine are truly evergreen. Spartan provides compatibility with the millions of existing enterprise web pages designed for Internet Explorer. To achieve this, Spartan loads the IE11 engine for legacy enterprise websites when needed, while using the new rendering engine for modern websites. This approach provides both a strong compatibility guarantee for legacy enterprise websites and a forward-looking, interoperable web standards promise. We recognize some enterprises have legacy websites that use older technologies designed only for Internet Explorer, such as custom ActiveX controls and browser helper objects. For those users, Internet Explorer will also be available on Windows 10. Internet Explorer will use the same dual rendering engines as Spartan, ensuring web developers can consistently target the latest web standards. It all sounds very promising. It's not. No. Yeah, and like, this is what... Is, is sort of frustrating in, in retrospect is like this is what microsoft needed to do way before this they 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 needed to draw a line in the sand that was like okay we'll keep the old stuff available for like all the stuff that is is just needs ActiveX or whatever but in the future we're gonna have this super modern engine with all of the legacy cruft taken out that we're gonna update and um it, it took them until 2015 to try to do that. The one p- 
part from that blog post that they ended up changing was in that initial announcement, they said that Internet Explorer 11 on Windows 10 would also have two engines. It would have the older IE engine and the new Spartan engine. That actually changes. They just sort of leave IE 11 in its current state on Windows 10, and then the Spartan web browser is the one that has both engines in it. What it sounds like they would have ended up having if they had gone forward with that is basically two browsers, both with very similar code, and there wouldn't really be a logical reason to have both browsers at that point. Yeah. Though, to be fair, there wasn't really a logical reason to keep having an old one running the old engine and a new one that can run either engine. So, yeah, it, in in neither of these cases did, did that really make a lot of sense. All right, I'm going to send you screenshots of the initial preview of the Spartan web browser compared to Internet Explorer 11. So the Spartan browser is, it looks more like Chrome. It has the uh, address bar below the tabs, um, again, just like Chrome and Firefox at the time, but Internet Explorer was doing this kind of weird thing at the time where the, the address bar was on the same row as the tabs. So new Spartan looks a little bit more like people were probably used to. Yes, because people are mostly used to having switched to Chrome. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the first public builds of Project Spartan were released in March of that year, and by that time they had more of the features defined. Uh, Microsoft added a Cortana button in the browser for quick access to Windows 10's virtual assistant. You could also do things like right-click a word or phrase to quickly ask Cortana about it. So sounds exactly like their current AI <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. approach. Uh, time is a flat circle. This is also when ink support was added, so you could write or type directly on web pages and then share that modified version, like you like the page with whatever you scribbled on top of it, to someone else, which I guess is maybe cool. I don't know. I never used that. There was also a new reading list for collecting everything you were going to read later, including the option to save any web page or PDF to that list. It was basically just bookmarks, but like organized in a slightly different way. The browser also added a reading mode, which was similar to the reading mode in other browsers like Safari, where you can switch the page to a simplified view that has fewer distractions like videos and ads and stuff. So yeah, coming together as a uh, slightly more modern browser. That's fun. And now we're going to watch an early preview of Project Spartan from Microsoft. Are you excited? Elated. <laughs> okay, hit play on three, two, one, go. The way that websites are created today is really different to how they were created 10 years ago. We really needed to start fresh on something that we could be more innovative with. Not just new features, but a whole new experience for interacting with the web. At Microsoft, we're sort of at this moment where we've been able to be more innovative than ever, and it felt right to make a new browser and to integrate our products like never before. Webnode is this new concept that we're introducing with our browser. 
to be able to write on the web is a fundamentally exciting experience and something that's going to get people's attention. With ReadingView, we wanted to give users a more comfortable and more efficient experience for reading content on the web every day. It takes into consideration your device and your screen size, and it makes the content fit well for whatever you're on. So I have to say Cortana is one of my favorite features in the new browser. The whole concept of a personalized assistant is really interesting. It wraps up machine learning and the kind of big data smarts that we can provide in a very personable package that you can relate to. The web is ever evolving. We need to be able to update the browser at the pace of the web so we can keep up with what's going on. I think because we took this opportunity to really create a new and fresh browser, we've created a foundation that sets us up for success and delivering the features that our users really want and need for the next 20 years and beyond. Exciting stuff. <laughs> the only thing that kind of stood out to me is just how clunky it looked. <laughs> Like, they're drawing. Okay, when I say clunky, I guess, uh, like, you could see in the video that as they drew, there was a noticeable lag on, yeah. on the stylus. Um, and the interface just looks... It Well, that has more to do with Windows style. But, yeah, it it didn't look good. None of that calls out to me and says, you want to use this. Yeah, the the browser has the same like minimalist uh gray design as like a lot of the other components in Windows 10. So it's not like this super exciting thing to look at necessarily, which I guess makes a video like this kind of kind of difficult. And they they showed some of like people drawing on web pages which I'm I guess some people really liked that. I don't know. I never really cared about that. I never found a use for that. I mean, if you're a uh, if if you work in a company where you're doing web development and you've got a manager that really wants to like scribble on a page and send you a screenshot and say you need to fix this this and this, I could see that making a lot of sense. Like that would be an appealing feature for the manager. And you know, obviously like design teams and whatever might appreciate this. But I yeah, I can't rightly think of anything about this where normal everyday users would look at this and go oh i need to i need to tell you about this thing i need to show you that like regular people famously will take screenshots of web pages and send them to other people as like a uh you know hey i want to travel to this place or i want to buy this thing but i don't think I don't think scribbling on them is such a common thing that yeah. everyone was just jumping at it. Yeah. Like the, the most I use in this sort of use case is probably just like writing over uh, personal information in screenshots of web pages. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, so they were, they were excited about the drawing. They were excited about the Cortana integration, which no one no one really ended up liking Cortana all that much. So uh, eventually they reveal the final name for Project Spartan, which is Microsoft Edge. And they gave it a fancy new logo that looked a lot like the Internet Explorer logo, but just different enough. And the uh, browser was finally released in July of 2015 alongside the final release of Windows 10. 
The new rendering engine, which was called Edge HTML, was still very much based on Internet Explorer's Trident engine, but there were a lot of changes and a lot of removed features related to legacy stuff that didn't need to be there anymore. So there was no more ActiveX, so that's that's great. That's amazing. Uh, there was no more uh, compatibility view list. Uh, there was no more support for plugins except Adobe Flash in some cases. It also had a revamped JavaScript engine called Chakra, which replaced the JScript engine from Internet Explorer. Again, just like with the rendering engine as a whole, that was still very much based on the code from Internet Explorer, but um, more refined. The user agent string, which is how browsers identify themselves to web pages, was modified to include khtml and gecko, so that most sites that were checking for Chrome or Firefox would usually work similarly in Edge. That that didn't always happen, but that was their goal. They were trying to present Edge as a as something closer to Safari or Chrome or Firefox. Of course, the the problem with the more modern engine is that a lot of companies or people using outdated websites still needed all that legacy stuff. There were still a lot of pages with ActiveX, especially on like internal company networks, that kind of thing. So Edge had a button in it for Internet Explorer mode. And basically it would switch the tab you had open to use Internet Explorer's engine instead of the Edge engine. So like you could still have all your stuff in one place. You didn't need to go open the completely different Internet Explorer, but you would still be able to use uh, older web pages. Which, I mean, obviously sounds like something most people wouldn't need, but uh, for for the instances that you would come across one of those old pages, and presumably that probably happens to, to corporate users more than they'd like, um, that is at least a... I don't want to call it a cool feature, but it is certainly a convenient, smart thing to put in there. Yeah, especially when... I don't know if if they had this functioning on day one, but I know it became a thing later where if you were an IT department in a company or something, and you had a couple pages that you knew needed ActiveX, you could roll out a configuration to the PCs on your network that would be like, when you visit this page automatically switch to IE mode. Mm, that is handy. Yeah, so like stuff like that like this this makes sense. again like ideally none of this should be necessary. There shouldn't be any more ActiveX code in 2015, but uh, it happens. So I'm going to read a section of the Verge's review of Microsoft Edge from 2015. They said, quote, browsing an edge can be a joy. Pages load quickly, scrolling is smooth, and rendering issues are far less common than they were with Internet Explorer. On a Surface Pro 3 with 8 gigs of RAM and a Core i5 processor, Edge actually beat the latest version of Chrome in both the SunSpider and Peacekeeper benchmarks. Microsoft is employing a bunch of tricks to make this happen, including prefetching websites before you get to them, but the end result is all that really matters, and it's mostly good. Microsoft has also built Adobe Flash support right into Edge, and it's working closely with Adobe to make sure performance is high and security is a priority. Still, there are times when Edge struggles, and it becomes clear this is a version 1 product, such as where it offers to kick you to Internet Explorer if it's having trouble with a particular site. Edge's newness also means it doesn't have a number of power features that Chrome and Firefox users have long been accustomed to. 
It doesn't yet support extensions or plugins. The former are coming later this year, and in a format that's very similar to Google's Chrome Web Store. Nor does it have the ability to pin tabs. There's no way to sync your browsing history or favorite sites with your mobile device until later this year when Windows 10 for Phones launches. Edge also doesn't play nice with Google's web apps, so if you're a diehard Google Docs or Sheets user, you'll want to stick to Chrome. Microsoft's own Office web apps work great, however. If you're like me and many other people, chances are you haven't given Microsoft's browser as a second thought for years. But Edge will likely change that, and though it's not quite as good or feature complete as it should be, which really can be said for Windows 10 as a whole at this point, it's a really great start and already much better than Internet Explorer. The days of having to spend hours uninstalling toolbar after toolbar during family holidays are a thing of the past, and Microsoft finally has a web browsing experience it can be proud of. Quote. Oh, this feels like that moment of foreboding. So also another point about Edge is that it was only available for Windows 10, which was a change from Internet Explorer where new versions, they were usually introduced with a new version of Windows, but they were eventually backported to at least the last release, sometimes ones before that. Uh, Microsoft doesn't do that at all this time. Uh, it was never backported to Windows 7, 8, or 8.1. There was just a mobile version that eventually arrived in Windows Mobile 10. So again, like they're doing this weird thing where the browser is... I guess supposed to be a a reason for you to upgrade Windows, but again, most people didn't want to upgrade Windows. So you're kind of left with just people deciding to use Chrome or something else instead. It's a big ask to insist that somebody should be upgrading their OS just to use a browser that is effectively an also ran. Yeah, yeah. Especially when the, the web browser, again, is just sort of like keeping up with the competition. It's not revolutionizing anything which to be fair we've seen what happens when microsoft revolutionizes something on the web it, it that's what happened <laughs> with internet explorer five six territories yeah so. the, yeah them them revolutionizing the web is is them making active x so maybe that's not what not what they should be doing yeah more more something to be afraid of yeah Later versions of Microsoft Edge and the Edge HTML engine added support for stuff like web notifications and VP9 video decoding, as well as many performance and battery life fixes. There was never extensive support for extensions. There were just a few that were ported, which that was cited as another reason why a lot of people just stuck with Chrome and Firefox. All throughout this version of Edge that's based on IE, there's still a lot of issues with sites not working on it. There's there's always a couple sites that you have to flip over to Chrome or Firefox for, or increasingly just Chrome. And in October of 2017, Microsoft announced the Edge browser for iPhone and Android. Those mobile browsers could sync data with the desktop Edge browser, which was exactly like the mobile versions of Chrome, Firefox, Opera, and, and other browsers has had for years. Th this is, we're getting to the era where Microsoft's kind of really giving up on trying to lock in their mobile experience to one platform, and they're starting to finally branch out. But in Edge's case, it's, it's kind of too late. <laughs> and a little over a year later, in December of 2018, Microsoft announced that Edge would switch to a new code base based on Google Chrome, not Internet Explorer. 
Microsoft attributed the switch to several different factors, including user complaints with incompatible websites that were only built for Chrome. They were hoping this would be less work for web developers because it's Chrome. <laughs> if you make your website mm -hmm. work in Chrome, it's, it's going to work in Edge too. Microsoft said they'd be able to ship updates more frequently, and they would have the option of releasing Edge on more platforms like Mac. Microsoft also planned for many of its improvements to be submitted to the Chromium project, which in turn would make them available on all the other browsers that use Google's engine. So that's a pretty big deal. That's the that's Microsoft giving up on a piece of technology that they'd been developing since the uh, early 90s. And Microsoft's decision to drop its own browser engine was uh, criticized, actually, by many people in the tech and web development communities because they believe that web standards would start to fall apart more rapidly without multiple dominant browser engines, just like what had happened in the early 2000s when IE became dominant. There were a couple uh, interesting blog posts and, and pieces from around this time about the engine shift. Uh, this one by L. Jeffrey Zeldman, hope I'm saying that right, was, was kind of interesting. He said, quote, The health of Firefox is critical now that Chromium will be the web's de facto rendering engine. Even if you love Chrome, adore Gmail, and live in Google Docs or Analytics, no single company, let alone a user-tracking advertising giant, should control the internet. The development and adoption of accessible standards happens when a balance of corporate powers supports organizations like the W3C, and cross-browser and device testing is part of every project. When one rendering engine rules them all, well, many of us remember when progress halted for close to 10 years because developers only tested in IE6, and more than a few of us recall a similar period when Netscape was the only browser that mattered. Don't think the need to test in phones will save us. Chromium powers most of them, too. When one company decides which ideas are worth supporting and which aren't, which access problems matter and which don't, it stifles innovation, crushes competition, and opens the door to excluding people from digital experiences. So how do we fight this? We who are not powerful? We do it by doubling down on cross-browser testing, by baking it into the requirements on every project, large or small, by making sure our colleagues, bosses, and clients know what we're doing and why. Again, a lot of people had that idea. Um, even Mozilla criticized this move. Uh, they they wrote a blog post about it in December of 2018. Mozilla said, quote, Microsoft is officially giving up on an independent shared platform for the internet. By adopting Chromium, Microsoft hands over control of even more of online life to Google. This may sound melodramatic, but it's not. The browser engines, Chromium from Google and Gecko Quantum from Mozilla, are inside baseball pieces of software that actually determine a great deal of what each of us can do online. They determine core capabilities, such as which content we as consumers can see, how secure we are when we watch content, and how much control we have over what websites and services can do to us. Microsoft's decision gives Google more ability to single-handedly decide what possibilities are available to each one of us. From a business point of view, Microsoft's decision may well make sense. Google is so close to almost complete control of the infrastructure of our online lives that it may not be profitable to continue to fight this. The interests of Microsoft's shareholders may well be served by giving up on the freedom and choice that the internet once offered us. Google is a fierce competitor with highly talented employees and a monopolistic hold on unique assets. Google's dominance across search, advertising, smartphones, and data capture 
creates a vastly tilted playing field that works against the rest of us. From a social, civic, and individual empowerment perspective, ceding control of fundamental online infrastructure to a single company is terrible. That's why Mozilla exists. We compete with Google, not because it's a good business opportunity. We compete with Google because the health of the internet and online life depend on competition and choice. They depend on consumers being able to decide, we want something better and to take action. Quote. Oh man, it, it, it's such a big can of worms. But in practical terms, the catch, there's several, God, there are so many catches to this. One, one of the bigger ones being, it feels wrong to hold Microsoft up in this position of all companies. It feels wrong to hold up Microsoft as the, we need to keep them around because they help us keep the internet open and free through competition. Right. I mean, like, I couldn't say any part of that sentence without laughing at it. <laughs> I mean, it's literally the company everyone was mad at for doing exactly what they're accusing Google of doing. Right. This is a weird, like, villain redemption arc <laughs> in terms of browsers. And yeah, it is It is a little bit weird to have this opinion. And there, there's also the element here where Mozilla is, is highly critical of, of Google here, even their search business. But Google is the default search engine in Firefox. I don't know if it was Yahoo at this time. I know Mozilla was doing that for a while, but I think it was Google. But that part I'll, 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 I'll give to, to them because that gets into the like, uh, you, you criticize society yet you take part in it kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a very strange predicament where sort of this, this balance of power rests in Microsoft continuing to try with its, with its browser. Um, and they're just not really willing to do that anymore. Kind of the other problem with their rallying cry is it sort of overlooks one of like i don't want to call it a key argument but rather it it overlooks kind of a practical point where an argument doesn't necessarily need to be made uh, and what i mean by that is at one point in history google decided to make a browser and how did it do that it took what apple had already built and built on top of that and, well initially like it just contributed back to the same project but I mean, it took WebKit and continued that development process. It kept, it pushed that forward and eventually said, you know what, we think we can do more with this and staying within the confines of WebKit and working with Apple, it's just not moving fast enough. So let's do more with it. The thing is having different rendering engines inherently is not, is not that special. It's not that helpful. It's that one company shouldn't necessarily control that sole direction. So Microsoft, there's really nothing wrong with Microsoft throwing out their old rendering engine and adopting one that is just more popular. The problem would be if Microsoft doesn't do anything else. So there's just nothing wrong with taking that and running with it further, building on top of what Google has done or building different experiences, or changing the things that they want to change for their purposes, while leaving Google to do what it wants with its thing for its purposes. The rallying cry sounds good, but I think it it's leaving 
so much of the actual technical aspects kind of forgotten. Yeah, it it is an important point that all of the browser engines we have today are derivatives of other pieces of software. Firefox's engine is just a, a continued version of Netscape's engine. You know, like you said, Safari was based on KHTML, and then Google took Safari's engine and was working with it for a while and then forked it to make Blink. So, yeah, there, it, it is all interconnected. To put it in simpler terms, it, it would be sort of like arguing that battery manufacturers need to all have different standards because that keeps batteries from or that keeps one company from dominating batteries. No, that would be categorically wrong. You want all batteries to fit. You want them all to have the same shapes and standards because that's what makes them work. That would that's what keeps you from having weird terrible lock-ins. But there really isn't a problem with having multiple places using the same rendering engine. A rendering engine does not equate to control of the whole internet. Yeah, I mean I think I'm 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 somewhere in the middle of this because it is important to recognize that Microsoft wasn't really trying all that hard. <laughs> it had to, yeah. Like for the last few releases of Internet Explorer, it kind of just was equal to what else was out there. Sometimes they would be ahead in some small thing for a little while. And then when they released Edge, they had a web browser that was only compatible with one software platform. It was only on one version of one operating system. Even if that was the latest version of the most popular desktop platform in the world, like it's still that they still weren't trying to really expand their reach, uh, which was needed to compete with everyone else. Because if you look at Chrome, Chrome was on Windows, it was on Mac, it was on Linux, it was on iPhone and Android, it was on other form factors. Um, You know, Apple had Safari on everything. Firefox was on everything. So, okay, I'm going to kind of stop you a little bit on that. Yes, Chrome was on iPhone, but not it wasn't using the Chrome right. rendering capability. It was purely Safari under the hood. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned Safari being on Windows. Was it still on Windows at that point? Oh, yeah, that was long gone. Yeah. Yeah, or it was short-lived. Or, like, it didn't have much longer to go by that point. Either way, like, it was... It, it, it didn't hold up. The universality of these things was not truly universal. Yeah. But to be fair, at least uh, in the case of Chrome, I'm sure they would have had it on iPhone if they were allowed to. Yeah, like Chrome wasn't on iPhone in the same way, but it was still like a Chrome experience that synchronized everything you did with the desktop browser, which was it. That's important on its own. And Microsoft just had they, they didn't have that. There was not an edge browser for Android and iPhone until 2018. Yeah, but that's not that far later. I mean, obviously, it would have been better if they could have released all simultaneously, or at least in closer timelines, but, I mean, they still got it out there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a completely different project, too, than, than the desktop, but... Yeah, it really is. 
the point I, I sort of agree with Mozilla here on is this need to have multiple implementations so web standards exist. Like I don't I don't know who said this originally, but I I've thought about it a lot. Is that if there's only one implementation of a standard, then the implementation becomes the standard. And mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of that with Google Chrome, where there's there's obviously a lot of stuff Google is building into Chrome that everyone wants or a large amount of people want. Like all these all these new features and APIs that make it possible for web apps to be much closer to native apps in terms of features. Like that's all really exciting. But there's also a lot of stuff that Google has built into Chrome that really only Google wants. Um, <laughs> like all of the the like the the handful of of changes they built in for AMP pages, like that API that allowed websites to like change how they looked in the address bar because Google wanted AMP pages to show their actual URL so people would stop complaining about that, but they could still serve AMP pages. And that was the thing that Google built into Chromium. And because it was in Chromium, it ended up in, in pretty much all of the other web browsers that use that engine. Because it's like, well, you know, it's kind of stupid, but we're not going to put in the work to like remove all of that code. We're just going to leave it there. We don't really care. There's a lot of stuff like that where you risk, like one of the blog posts said, like Google gets to decide what gets prioritized, what makes it into the web. And they haven't gone full 2006 Microsoft there, but (laughs) but there's, there's certainly echoes of that. Yeah, believe me, I'm not I'm not disputing the argument for or against web standards. Obviously, for would be the preference. I'm not criticizing Mozilla's point for having competition. Rather, I'm criticizing their criticism against somebody who's deciding no longer to be competing with the thing that has won. Right. I I, I know that sounds like a lot of looped in explanation but um right like you're you're saying mozilla shouldn't look at a a thing that's been dying on the vine for years and say like why aren't you supporting that microsoft why aren't you trying anymore yeah especially when like the public as a whole already moved on yeah I, i don't know off the top of my head how many people microsoft got back when they re engineered internet explorer as edge but it, it obviously was not a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know I use this. I use this as example way too often, but I always think about the T-Mobile and Sprint acquisition as a reference point. Sprint was losing money. It, it as a company, it was unless they found some magical way to turn it around. It was kind of a doomed to fail situation and keeping it keeping it by itself was basically just going to make this thing fail. And the biggest players in the industry were just going to keep getting bigger while anyone else was not going to, which is why, while I know a lot of people preferred the idea of having more competition rather than less, I was one of the people who said, no, just, just let the smaller of the other companies acquire it and then they can at least be up there with everybody else sometimes letting a thing die 
or let it be letting it be acquired or something like that it's it doesn't have any real ramifications uh or rather it doesn't have significant enough ramifications uh and in some cases it can even be good in the case of microsoft letting go of what was a what was basically just the remnants of internet explorer i don't think it was affecting enough people and you got to figure microsoft is probably doing a value proposition of like asking the question how much development time are we putting into this project that i'm guessing probably one percent of the real user base of the internet was actively using or at least one percent of the more active users might be a better way to say it you know you gotta you just have to assume that there weren't that many people who were really choosing to use internet explorer or edge rather so having a ton of development resources going into it and as we both talked about before web browsers take a lot of effort they're this they cannot get away with a small team this isn't something you do with like five or ten people sitting in a corner office this is something that takes like a floor of people to really like keep maintained and properly developed so honestly i just i cannot see a way that the cost had a return on it so it, it does make sense to take advantage of somebody else's engine now maybe they could have chosen the mozilla yeah <laughs> the mozilla code base or they could have chosen something else but yeah at the end of the day it it makes sense for them to let their thing die because it wasn't really changing it wasn't changing anything for the internet yeah, I, I would have liked to see them partner with Mozilla and make an Edge browser that was using the Firefox Gecko engine. But then you you still have the issue that was the biggest problem with the people who were using Edge, which is that sites weren't working because Firefox was also on its way out um, at this time. Like this, Like they had been slowly declining since Chrome started gaining steam. So certainly now and back then, there were a lot of sites that were only testing in Chrome. So if they switched to Mozilla's engine, they would have had the same exact issue. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just imagining some like Microsoft developer relations person like looking at all the criticism for them switching to Chromium. They're like, I, we thought that's what you guys wanted. You guys don't want to test in multiple browsers. <laughs> uh-huh. We're doing you a favor. I do agree with the criticism of like there needs to be more more options for this technology because then you also get into the problem with security where like as soon as there's a zero day exploit found in chrome uh you have a huge huge base of affected devices and theoretically multiple browser engines should be less of an issue but also, then there's the fact that Microsoft was was pretty late to fixing a lot of security problems. So maybe a little bit of a wash there. I'm not sure. There is a counter argument there where by multiple companies sharing the same browser engine, it opens up the possibility that one of them might come up with a fix and share it upstream before the actual like owner or core controller of that of that engine would have done it right so it's it's always possible microsoft will find a fix and submit it before google gets around to it 
yeah, putting aside the problems of Google having having more say into how the internet works, this does give what is left of the Edge team at Microsoft the opportunity to focus more on features rather than like building out this entire technology stack. It, it, there was a very noticeable difference when Microsoft started working on Chromium, where they started submitting a lot of changes to Chromium to improve the experience on Windows, which benefited the Edge browser when it switched to Chromium, but also benefited everyone using Google Chrome and everyone using other browsers based on that engine. So there's a lot of good there. Definitely, uh, definitely mixed feelings on this one, I would say, for me. Mm-hmm. There was one story that gained some uh, traction after Microsoft announced the engine switch, which was a, a comment on Hacker News from Joshua Bakita, hope I'm pronouncing that right, who was an intern on the Edge team at Microsoft. Joshua said, quote, I very recently worked on the Edge team. One of the reasons we decided to end Edge HTML was because Google kept making changes to its sites that broke other browsers and we couldn't keep up. For example, they recently added a hidden empty div over YouTube videos that causes our hardware acceleration fast path to bail. It should now be fixed in the Windows 10 October update. Prior to that, our fairly state-of-the-art video acceleration put us well ahead of Chrome on video playback time on battery, but almost the instant they broke things on YouTube, they started advertising Chrome's dominance over Edge on video watching battery life. What makes it so sad is that their claimed dominance was not due to an ingenious optimization work by Chrome, but due to a failure of YouTube. On the whole, they only made the web slower. Now, while I'm not sure I'm convinced that YouTube was changed intentionally to slow edge, many of my coworkers are quite convinced, and they're the ones who looked into it personally. To add to this all, when we asked, YouTube turned down our request to remove the hidden empty div and did not elaborate further. <laughs> so, that comment was was picked up by a couple news sites. Google later denied that, saying that the empty div tag was a bug that was fixed shortly after it was reported. Uh, they told The Verge in a statement, YouTube does not add code designed to defeat optimizations in other browsers and works quickly to fix bugs when they're discovered. Quote. <laughs> I, I almost don't know what to say to that because... Obviously, there's an element there where you kind of want to say, yeah, it seems fishy. But on the other hand, YouTube, of all the of all the parts of Google, YouTube seems to be the one that's pretty, uh, well, it, it doesn't seem to care about the whims of the rest of the company. Yeah, I, I don't know if I believe that that was fully intentional. Obviously, we don't have all the details. I think you can look at Google's other actions that were public to kind of see maybe where they were they they were pushing their browser pretty hard. They did occasionally launch stuff that only worked in Google Chrome. Usually there was like some technical reason for that, um, but sometimes it was just like, oh, we're this is like a super beta product yet. We're not we're, we're only supporting this in Chrome right now because it's like not intended for widespread use or whatever. And obviously, anytime you would load up any Google service or, or web app in another browser, you'd get a banner somewhere that's like, hey, why don't you download Google Chrome? Now, of course, that's that's what literally everyone did who had a web browser. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, Microsoft is actually the worst offender here now. 
like when you do a, a, a Bing web search for Google Chrome in Edge, it's like begging you to reconsider your actions. Like, please don't download Chrome. <laughs> Edge is just as good. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, the reality is the browser engine didn't change anything here. The, the company behaves the way the company is going to behave. There is a lot of... Um, what goes around comes around here, I guess, is the the <laughs> yeah. moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, Microsoft started rolling out the Chromium-based Edge browser in January of 2020. The update for Windows 10 replaced the original Edge browser entirely, but it left Internet Explorer 11 intact. The new Edge was also eventually released for Windows 7 and 8.1, as well as macOS and Linux. The the comments on every Linux website when that happened was incredible. Color me shocked. Yeah. And, you know, notably, this marked the first time since 2003 that there was a supported web browser from Microsoft available on Mac. And it was the first time ever that a Microsoft browser was on Linux because there was never a Internet Explorer for Linux. There was an Internet Explorer for Unix, but it's not the same thing truth and that was also like i think in the 90s so also it, correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't it nearly impossible to get internet explorer running in wine it had a lot of issues yeah for a while some of the versions were were fine i remember this was like the big struggle of trying to use linux in like the late 2000s where you had stuff like like netflix using like silverlight plugins mm -hmm. so the only way to watch netflix on a linux pc was to like fully install internet explorer in wine with the silverlight plugin and just kind of hope everything works <laughs> it wasn't until like chromebook started to kind of get popular that netflix finally <laughs> dropped the the silverlight plugin so the the chromium based edge browser started rolling out in january of 2020 and on June 15th of 2022, uh, Microsoft ended all support for Internet Explorer. Around this point, Windows 10 was updated to remove Internet Explorer 11 as a standalone application. People can still use uh, the IE mode in Microsoft Edge, the, the Chromium Edge, not the original Edge. That, that was long gone. And nothing happened to Internet Explorer on Windows 7, 8, and 8.1, but Edge was available as a download for those platforms until Edge dropped support for them in early 2023. Microsoft says it will continue supporting and providing security patches for IE mode in Microsoft Edge until 2029 at the earliest, and the IE engine is still built into Windows for applications using it to display web content. So there's a lot of um, definitely trending towards older Windows applications, but even some like pretty recent stuff is still using the original default web view in Windows, which is the Internet Explorer engine. So even though Internet Explorer is now dead, uh, Microsoft is going to continue patching that code for several more years, at least. So Internet Explorer is is dead, but still alive. It's in zombie mode. 
it's got a show on AMC. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's Internet Explorer. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to because, you know, we're talking over 20 years of a, a pretty crucial component of computers for a long time. <laughs> I was going to say a once crucial com- yeah, <laughs> component. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like you could you could certainly do a, a ten part series of all the weird hacks people did to make websites look okay in Internet Explorer. I have a, a CSS book that I think was written in like two thousand seven, maybe, and there's an entire chapter about using Adobe Flash to render fonts. <laughs> because Internet Explorer didn't really support third-party fonts, and there's there's a lot of stuff like that, and we didn't really talk about uh, like Internet Explorer and Edge on Xbox, and you know there's more of the mobile stuff that was interesting, but had to draw a line somewhere. What you're what you're really saying is season two begins. <laughs> God, in... no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> As Corbin begins crying. Internet Explorer, it, it comes up in, in almost everything. So, uh, Cody, do you do you want to plug anything now that we're we're done? We're done with IE. <laughs> Until it comes back. Um, Until the next episode. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. What's this on the recording schedule? How dare you? <laughs> Part 11, baby. Yeah, uh... I don't know. Come find me on Mastodon. I am currently at mstdn.io slash Cody Toombs. TechTales is at TechTales Show on Twitter and at TechTales at mas.to on Mastodon. The links for those are in the show notes. Also in the show notes are the sources and links to support the show. The official subreddit is r slash TechTales podcast, where you can discuss episodes with other listeners and thanks for listening to far too long of a discussion about internet explorer and we will be back in your podcast feed soon with something different there's somebody out there who's like i am so sad this is over <laughs> they're like man they didn't even talk about this thing <laughs> yeah you know that's that's likely true oh yeah <laughs>